morning, everyone. Welcome to New Life Midtown. We believe that the Spirit of God has called us together. He's gathered us in His name to lift up that name, to build each other up, to grow in His Word. So let's go ahead and start with some songs.
Christ Emmanuel, which is God with us. Oh man, I'm so thankful that God is with us, right? In the midst of everything, the joys, the sorrows, the pain, the hurting, he's so faithful. Mm. Let's, uh, let's read this scripture together that speaks of God with us here from Isaiah 61. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth. Father, we come before you with our hearts fixed on you, ready for your praise to spring forth from from our mouths, God, from our clapping hands, Lord. We come to bring you praise. We come to lift you up this morning, God. As a body with one voice, Lord Jesus, we say be glorified, be lifted up in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, we're here to crown you king. Over the end of this year, over next year, over our lives. Let's sing in the darkness. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came right. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Come on, let's sing it out this morning. Praise the Father. Forever to the King. 
to reveal the kingdom coming. To reveal the kingdom come and to reconcile the lost. To redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you sought to the other side, knowing this was our salvation, Jesus for Take you die. Hallelujah. Praise the Father. Come on, sing it out.
church. Happy day before New Year. It's the last day of 2023. And as I'm sitting here thinking about the year, singing one of my absolute favorite songs, the last verse of this song says, Jesus, be the center of your church. I've, I've actually made this kind of personal agreement with the Lord that anytime I hear this song, I'm going to do something that I've done now for many, many years. Christy and I have been in full-time ministry for 22 years. 22? 23. 23. We've been lead slash senior pastors. We just completed our 14th year. And I made a pact with the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm going to dedicate this church to you every single opportunity that I have. Because this church is the Lord's. You are the Lord's. Midtown, Antioch, Freedom Church, Springs Harvest, it doesn't belong to Jade Duncan. doesn't belong to a group of elders. doesn't belong to a 501c3 corporation. It doesn't belong to the highest givers or the most talented people. It belongs to Jesus. And I just want, I wonder if we could do this together as a family. I want to invite you into a sacred place of my relationship with the Lord I want us to dedicate this church again to God. On the last day of 23, on the precipice of stepping into 2024, I think it's just fitting to rededicate this house, to rededicate the ministry of this place, the future of this house, the strength of this house, the faith of this house, the longevity of this house, 
the life of the Spirit in this house, we dedicate it to Jesus because He is the head of the church. The church belongs to Him. Everything that we do is about Him. It's for Him. It's through Him. We wouldn't even be able to gather if it weren't for Jesus inviting us. So friends, I want to invite you into this prayer with me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for New Life Midtown. Thank you for the saints of old, God, that have so faithfully followed you. They have so faithfully laid their lives down sacrificially. They have walked, God, a path of obedience, many of them for decades. And Lord, we as the people who are known and named as New Life Midtown, we dedicate this house. We dedicate this people to the living God. We belong to you. We are yours. We've been bought at a price. We are no longer our own. Father, we declare today that you are the foundation of this church. You are the head of the church. Spirit of the living God, you are the one who makes the church. If it were not for you, we would just be a group of people that gather together in the same place, no different than our local country club or sports team, but you, Spirit of the living God, you breathe on us. You baptize us in fire, and you make us something that we could not be without you. You make us the church, a glorious bride. So we dedicate this house again to you. We say that this house belongs to you. We are yours. Father, we pray today that you would keep this house pure, that everything and anything that we do would always be done unto the glory of Jesus, that you would be our motivation, that you would be the reason that we do everything that we do. You're the reason why we sing. You're the reason why we give. You're the reason why we clap our hands and worship. You're the reason why we gather together every week, Lord, in smaller tables all around this city. You're the reason why we open up our Bibles and seek to understand truth. Jesus, it's because of you. So be glorified today. Capture our hearts afresh and anew, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you have a seat this morning in the presence of the Lord? Our worship team has just done a magnificent job today. Absolutely magnificent. So proud of them. I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your ministry, for your leadership. Lorena, if you would, could you find Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, if it's possible? And if it's not, it's okay. I got a Bible in my hand. I'll give you a minute there. See if you can find Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. As we were singing, I was reminded as we were singing about the worth of Jesus. Worthy is your name. You are worthy of it all. I was immediately taken to Revelation 5, which by the way, Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, I think are going to be real critical chapters to immerse ourselves in. Um, in the days and in the years to come. So I just want to shoot that uh, across the bow, let you guys even now begin just meditating and saturating yourself in Revelation 4 and 5. But in chapter 5, verse 11, the scripture says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne, and they encircled the living creatures, and they encircled the elders, And in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom 
and strength and honor and glory and praise. He is worthy, friends. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of our time, our allegiance, our attention, our affection. He's worthy of every sacrifice or suffering or struggle that we could offer to him. And today, as we just center our hearts on giving to the Lord, this is one of the keystone, cornerstone reasons why we give. It's because he deserves all of our wealth. That he blesses the work of our hands. He gives you and I the ability to gain wealth. Nothing that we gain or get is because of our own brilliance or our own ability. It's because God blesses us. It's because he, he animates the work of our hands. He gives us the strength and the ability to do what we do. And so out of our gratitude, out of our honor, out of our recognition, we give back and we say, God, thank you. And so if you are giving people, which I believe we are giving people, but if you are giving people, uh, I want to, as we step into a new year, beyond just worship, because this is the, the paramount reason why we give, I also want you to begin having faith that the seed of wealth that you have sown in 2023, as you cast your bread upon the waters, I'm going to believe with you that in 2024, you're going to reap a harvest. I'm going to believe that every little tiny thing that you've given or any great gift, not just in the church, but outside of the church, that you're going to see a harvest. And I'm going to pray that your eyes be open to recognize, oh, this is harvest. This is harvest. This is a result of me giving. And I believe the Holy Spirit will even quicken your mind and your memory. He'll bring back to your attention, this is when you gave, or this is when you took that person out to lunch, or this is when you sowed into that missionary. He, he will bring that back to your memory. And I pray that he does it. Friends, as you prepare your hearts to give, let's pray this liturgical prayer that Jonathan and I crafted many months ago that has become a cornerstone of our giving liturgy here at New Life Midtown. Let's pray together. Father, you are the abundant giver of all good things. Train us to delight in holy dependence. Lead us to honor you with all of our resources. Free us from the deceitfulness of greed and earthly riches. Teach us to give generously with open hands and joy-filled hearts that we might receive abundantly and flourish for the sake of others and your purposes in the earth. Amen. Amen. Moms and dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts, pull your kids in really tight. Pull them in close. We're going to bless them as we pray the prayer of the Lord together. And I want you to imagine and envision as we pray this prayer, don't let it be some routine thing. Let the words of this prayer, let them just like be shot like arrows over the next generation and over your lives. So let's pray together, church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you, sons and daughters. We love you guys. Have a great time up there. Learn well, love well, lead well. 
Everyone else, I want to invite you to stand with me and spend some time being friendly, connect with people, be people of encouragement, be people of blessing, and we'll come back here in a few minutes with a good word. Good morning, New Life Midtown. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and find your seats. If you are visiting with us for the first time, I just want to say welcome. My name is Christian Tonkins, and I get to lead our youth ministry here. We are so, <laughs> we are so glad to have you this morning. If this is your first time in the seat in front of you, you should see um, I, am a, I am new card. If you want to take that and scan the QR code and put in some information so we can get more information to you. Or if you'd rather talk to someone, you can meet us out at the Welcome Center after service. I have one announcement this morning. Obviously, I'm not Lauren, so she asked me to do announcements this morning. And the announcement is for GC, which is our youth ministry, we have an event coming up January 26th and 27th. We call it Ignite Weekend. And the way we get the word Ignite is from... Uh, First Timothy, where Paul is telling Timothy to fan into flame the gifts of God. That's where we get the word ignite. And so this is our version of a youth retreat. We don't go overnight. We'll be here at the church Friday night. And then all day Saturday, we're going to be up in Monument at the Ponderosa Camp. And it's our goal just to make a space where kids, students can fan into flame the gifts that they receive. Because I don't know if you've heard about some of the testimonies of 2023 in our youth ministry, but there were some fires lit and so we just want to make sure we keep those going. Um, amen? And so now get ready to hear the word from our man, Sidron Smith. Bless you, man. All right. Bless the Lord. <laughs> I already know. I already know. I'm not going to look at your faces. Amen. God Good morning, good morning, good morning, hallelujah. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited because I made it to the last day of 2023. You can look at your neighbor and say, you made it. Go ahead, look at him and say, you made it. Many of us didn't know how we were going to make it here. 
but we made it. We woke up this morning, and I pray you had a smile on your face and you was ready for the day because we made it. Many of us have gone through this year, and it's been tough for us, but you made it. We didn't know how we was going to make it, but we made it. Amen? God brought us through. He is the Lord, our shepherd, the one that leads us and guides us, and we made it. Many of us were sick in our body, but we still made it. We didn't have enough finances to pay the next bill, but we still made it to this day. Oh, I'm excited. I made it to the day. God has helped me make it here today. Amen? I have been privileged to give the word today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sadron Smith, and I've been in this house, serving this house for quite some time. I love it. I love it to see your faces here to encourage you. God has put a new spirit in my heart to encourage everybody. That's what he's given me in this house. Amen. Listen, I'm not going to work you up. I'm going to just tell you the word. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're turned in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, I believe that God has given me a word for this season, for this day only, so that you can walk into the next season free, free from guilt and shame, free from hurt and despair. Free to move in freely into what God has called you into. Is somebody excited about that? We're going to move free today. Amen. The reading is Philippians chapter 3. And in just a moment, I'll tell you the title of what I'm saying here. God helped me to make it to 2023. A lot of people that I know were sick and we prayed for them and they're healed. A lot of people were in despair and they didn't have enough money to pay their bills. But God, somehow, some way, got them finances to pay their bills. They made it. I'm excited. God helped me to make it to today. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1. We'll start with verse 1. And this is quite lengthy here, so just bear with me. Amen. I got one. Hallelujah. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. See, you just missed your opportunity right there. I'm telling you, don't miss your opportunity. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Amen. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) For to me to write to you the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus. Somebody got it. See, you missed your opportunity one more time. He said rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I like Paul here, and we're going to keep on going, but notice what he said. He said rejoice in the Lord, and then he said rejoice in Christ Jesus. Why, and why is he changing the order? Have y'all ever noticed that when you read the word, when you're reading Paul, he'll say, Christ Jesus our Lord, or Jesus Christ our Lord, or rejoice in the Lord? I don't think it's haphazard here. I believe that there's something that we can see out of this. He, he arranges it because he wants us to put the emphasis on who we're rejoicing in. If it's the Lord, he is our, he is our, our director. He's the one that directs us, like in Psalms, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads us and he guides us. That's what he's saying. But if it's Christ, he's our developer. He's developing us. He wants us to mature in the things of God. Amen. So he says, rejoice in the Lord, the one who has led us, who has led us to this day. He said, rejoice in Christ, the one who has developed us and leading us and maturing us. Amen. Amen. 
and have no confidence in the flesh. For though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day, he's going to tell us his pedigree. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Paul had something to boast in. He was something else. He was some kind of man here. He said, but those things that were gained to me, these I have counted as lost for Christ. I counted them lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. King James says dung. I don't know if you know what dung is. But he counts them as rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained, for I am or I am already perfected, but I press on. Say press on. Yeah, that's what we have to do. We got to press on. That I may lay a hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. This is it right here. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He said, there's one thing that I do. I forget those things that are behind, but I got to reach for the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal you, even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule Let us be of the same mind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto the Lord. Notice what Paul says. He says that there's one thing that I do. I reach forward. I forget those things from behind. And I'm reaching and I'm pressing into God. God gave me a just a phrase, you know, we come up with phrases for the new year. You know, they rhyme and stuff, you know. I don't know if y'all been in churches like that. They come up with phrases and they rhyme for the new year so you can think about them and, and move into it. But God gave me a phrase and he said, we're going to go deeper than before in 2024. It's the year to go deeper in God. But many of us have been running and it seems like we have a parachute attached to our backs. We take four steps, and all it takes is just a little gust of wind, and you knock back 100 steps. And God is saying we need to cut the strings of the parachute so that we can run forward, so that we can move in him. If it's going deeper, we're holding on to floats. How many of y'all know you can't go deeper if you're holding on to a float, amen? Whatever those floats in life are, whatever is keeping us from going deeper in God, right? If If it's trying to jump high, you got weights on your feet. You can't jump as high. You can't move as far with God. But God is saying this year we're going to go deeper. We're going to go further. But there's some things that we got to let go in order to move forward. Amen. 
No one can be on first base if you're playing baseball. No one can be on first base and, and second base at the same time. Would you agree? You have to let go that base in order to reach to the next base. No one standing on third base look toward first base in order to get back there. No, you got to leave some things behind. Amen. I'm going to tell you what God did for me. And I, I just want to thank Pastor, you know, for allowing me to come up here this morning. I really honor you guys and thank you. And I feel so honored for that. But I also want to thank my wife for putting up with me as I'm studying the word. Honey, I need you to do this, but I need to study. That was what I said. <laughs> but I need to study. Honey, I need you to go get it, but I need to study. <laughs> I almost lost my good thing. I almost lost my good thing. You know, God says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtain favor from the Lord. Amen. Many of y'all don't know this about me, but I was a single dad for a little while. I told you, baby, you was going to make my message. I was a single dad for a little while, and I was praying, God, I want a wife. I'm asking for a wife, Lord. I'm praying for one. I had come out of a relationship, and I, I want a wife. I want somebody that I can share my life with. And I'm praying, and soon after I prayed, I was listening to a message, and the preacher came in at the end of his message, and he was like, hey, Whatever you want, won't you tell God what you want? Write it down on some paper. Put it on your refrigerator. Lay hands on it. Pray every time you walk past this paper, you're praying for what you want. I was like, okay. I'm motivated. I'm going to pray for what I want. So I made a list. Yeah, I made a list. Oh, don't look at me like y'all have never made lists. I made a list. I had a list going on. And this list was detailed. It was sharp. It was long. Every time I saw something I like, I said, I'm putting that on the list. Huh? Huh? I made a list. And I made this list, and it was long, and I'm praying over this list. Oh, God, I, I thank you for my wife. She's beautiful. Yeah, hey. Uh-huh. And I'm praying, and I'm into it, and I'm praying. And as soon as I got quiet before the Lord, he asked me a question. He said, have you looked at the list that you're asking me for? Now, when God asks questions... It ain't for his edification. It's to pull something out of you. Remember Isaiah, can these dry bones live? It wasn't for his edification. It was to pull something out of Isaiah, right? He asked Peter, do you love me? It wasn't to know if he loved him or not. It was to pull something out. So I had to pay attention to the question that he was asking me. Have you looked at this list? And I began to examine the list. Because when he asks you something, maybe you should just consider what he's asking and see what he's trying to pull out of you. And I looked at this list and I said, oh, wait a minute. I've seen this list before. I don't want this. I've already tasted it. I don't want this. This was the list that I had constructed from the past. This was a list that I already experienced. And I was like, no, nah, I tore that thing up immediately. I got rid of that list. So what I had to do was say, Lord, you know, not my will, but your will be done. God, I offer you this. And I threw that list in the trash immediately. If I had a match, I would have burnt it. I didn't want it. I've already been there. Sometimes we pull things out of our hearts and we don't know where it came from. We want what other people want for us. We want people because they look good for other people and not for us. We don't know what's needed. Our heart is not infinite like God. We, we are finite. 
So I had to take that list and turn it away. And in essence, what I did was I exchanged it. I exchanged my will for his will. Right? I said, God, I don't know what I want. Only you know what I want. You know what I desire. You know what I need. I know what everybody else wants. I know what everybody else has. But I don't know what I want. And as soon as I relax my heart in that posture, I'm talking to somebody today. As soon as I relax my heart, he asked me another question. He said, have you considered Tamara? I said, oh, I better pay attention. And that night I gave her a call and I said, hey, will you go have coffee with me? She said, yes. After 15 years knowing Tamara, she don't drink coffee. But bless the Lord. (laughs) Bless the Lord. She said, yes, she came. She came anyway. (laughs) She don't drink coffee. Hallelujah. What I should have been praying for is a Proverbs 31 woman. What I should have been praying for is what God already had listed in his word, and he already had promises designed for us. What I should have did was went to the word first. I should have prayed, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband trusts in her. See, I should pray these things. Why? I don't have to worry about is she out there cheating or fooling around somewhere else. I can trust in her because God gave her to me. I can trust in it because it says, who can trust it? Who can find this ruby? Who can find this? Hallelujah. She would do him great all the days of her life. She would bring him good and not harm. Hallelujah. She find wool and flax and busily spends it. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn and prepares breakfast for her household and plans a day's work. See, these are the things that I should have been praying into. Instead of coming out of my own heart. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? But God knows our heart. Amen? God showed me something about my heart. Now, I'm a person, I really like green grass. I'm going somewhere. I like to ride out in the far country and to see those well-manicured pastures and just green grass for miles. You know, when you ride up to people's houses, I like green grass. Coming from South Houston, you don't have to worry about cultivating green grass. It's just there. But you come to Colorado, it's some work to be done up here. <laughs> Glory to God. So when we were looking for a house, that was one of the prerequisites. I wanted some green grass. And bless the Lord, I got it. It was green in the front, green in the back. I mean, it was just beautiful. So me being who I am and not knowing a whole lot about growing grass and keeping grass, I went to go get some grass education. (laughs) I went to the nursery and asked them, how do I continue to keep this grass? I'm going somewhere with this. How do I do it? And they said, here's some fertilizer. You got to water it this time. And they was giving me all these secrets to maintaining a good lawn, right? So I'm doing everything to maintain this lawn. And about three years into it, all of a sudden, something happens. It's not so green anymore. (laughs) You laughing. You know what I'm talking about. It's not so green anymore. What's happening is it'll it'll start out green in the spring, but by the end of the summer, it's just as dry and brown. And I'm upset. I'm looking at this grass like, man, what's wrong with my grass? I'm doing everything they're telling me to do. I'm going out, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting it, I'm watering it when they say, I'm fertilizing it at the right time. I hear y'all judging me. 
I hear y'all judging me. You watered it too much. You didn't water it enough. You used the wrong fertilizer. You, you didn't use the right fertilizer. You used too much fertilizer. I hear y'all judging me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm not a greed, though. But I was doing what he was saying I was doing to do. And that was I was doing it. I was like, man, HOA calling. We're going to find you because you got brown grass. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, come on now. I'm doing the best that I can. We get those hot summers and those late snowy winters, the late winter weather. One year it came in, the snow came, a tree is blooming, it's all green, and then all of a sudden you get this heavy snow. I'm like, it's June. What's going on here? It's snowing in June, and all of a sudden my tree dies in my front yard. I'm telling you, it's all bad. I'm looking at this thing like, what is wrong with my grass? And then I internalize what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? I don't have a green thumb. I don't have the Midas touch. I got everything I touch turned to trash. I'm starting to partner with my negative thoughts. I'm starting to partner with this thing. And then one day I say, you know what? I just give up. This grass will never be green. I'm just going to, I hear you. You should have been prophesizing over your grass. I hear you talking. You should have been speaking over it. Grass, I command you in Jesus' name, be green. I know. I know y'all talk. Y'all judging me over there. Amen. But at the end of everything, I said, you know what? I give up. I'm just going to pay the fines, and I'm just going to have a rough-looking yard. And then one day I said, you know, let me get a rake out, and let me rake up at least the dead grass that I see. Using a plastic rake, you get everything on top, but when you get that metal rake, that's some work to be done here. It gets down deep, but at the risk of pulling up the good grass with the dead grass, I used the metal rake. And I began to rake it up, and I raked it up from the top all the way to my sidewalk. And the pile was getting larger and larger and larger. I got so big, the pile was up to my hip. And my children come out and say, Dad, can I play in it? And I'm like, if you help me clean it up, you can play in it. So they jumping in it, and I'm mad because I'm raking with some intensity. Now I'm upset. I'm like, where did all this dead grass come from? What ended up happening was there was this thick thatch of grass underneath the surface. The fertilizer wasn't able to get down. The overseeding wasn't able to get in. And if it did get in, it wasn't able to come up because there was this thick thatch of grass over it. God told me that that's how my heart is. A lot of times we fertilizing and we watering, but there's this thick thatch of hurt. This thick thatch of, of shame and regret. This thing that is under the layer, but the only way that I can deal with it was to expose it. I couldn't deal with the dead grass that was underneath the surface until it was all exposed. God is saying, let me deal with the heart. He's not going to go in and take it, but you got to expose it, and then you'll know what to deal with. You'll know how to deal with it once it's exposed. Amen? God showed me that. So after that, the fertilizer was able to get down. It was able to get in. The seeds were able to come up and grow. And thanks be unto God, we got some green grass. Amen. Amen. But can you hear that about our hearts? How long have we been coming to church every week? We see other people prospering, but we're not prospering. We see other people having life in their hearts and, and love and the light of God and they're shining. But our hearts, are, I want to shine. I want this word to work. But something is keeping it from growing up. Maybe, just maybe we're carrying something we shouldn't be carrying. Just maybe we need to expose something so our hearts can be exposed unto the Lord. 
And he can deal with it because the Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. The truth of that word is freeing. The truth of getting it off of your shoulders is freeing. Our mental state, our emotional state, and our physical state was never designed to carry what some of us are carrying. We create muscles to carry something that we were never designed to carry. That's why he says, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. Do that before this year. Take the opportunity on this last day of this year to cast the cares of the Lord. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Amen. Are y'all in here this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get to what I want to get to. Bless the Lord. That time is just moving. Amen. Oftentimes, the word of God says he's it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That two-edged sword, it goes in and it extracts what need not to be there and it put in what needs to be in there. God knows he's the only one that knows how to do it. But will you be willing enough? Will you be um, vulnerable enough to expose what's in your heart and to give that unto the Lord? I promise you this. 2023 can handle whatever you leave in it. I promise you it can handle it. Leave it here today. Leave it behind. Leave the shame behind. God don't want us to move in that. He wants us to move light. He wants us to move in his love. He wants us to move with his purposes. But a lot of times things are just keeping us back. So he's saying leave it all behind. Don't walk into the next year with that emotional state that you've been carrying on these shoulders. What ends up happening is we turn it into my hurt. We internalize. We make it possessive. This is my pain. You don't know what I've been through. And I understand that. And I partner with that. But there's a time that you have to release that to the Lord. Let it be his so he can make the great exchange. He can exchange that hurt for some peace. He can exchange that pain for some healing. Amen? Let's make the great exchange before we go into the year 2024. Let's make that exchange so we can walk in his purpose after him. Amen? I think I got time for this. As as it relates to 2024 and moving forward and leaving it behind, God is saying he's doing a new thing. Isaiah tells us that, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not know it? A lot of times we won't know it because our eyes are not focused in on it. We're focused in on something else. I had a friend of mine in uh, 2023, January, 2020, 2020 of January. He was diagnosed with pancreatitis, I think it was, and he was in the hospital. And as he was in the hospital, for about 10 days, You know, the family was pretty much just keeping it to themselves and, you know, seeing if he would come through and what have you. And then it was one day we were in table group. And while we were in the table group, we got a phone call that he was in hospital and could Sidron come and pray. And I don't take that lightly when somebody asks me to come to a hospital and pray. So in the middle of it, I uh, encouraged our table group on how to pray. Oftentimes, we can pray prayers, but they're not prayers of faith. The Bible tells us that the prayer of faith is the one that will save the sick. Amen? Amen. 
So when we pray, we are depending on God. So I instructed him, and I went to the hospital. And as you know, when you go to a hospital or an ICU, the first portion, the first part that you go into is in the waiting room. In the waiting room, you can tell what's going on in people's hearts. I get in this waiting room, and I'm telling you, it is not good. There is despair. There is no hope. There are questions. There are things going on in this waiting room. There's, there's pain. There's hurt. They have seen their loved one with all kind of tubes and beeping sounds. The doctors come in and give them a roller coaster ride. You know, the only time that I like play-by-play action is with sports. I do not like play-by-play action with doctors and hospitals because it's up, it's down. He's good, he's not good. He's breathing, he's not. It's just, it was just a roller coaster ride. So for three to four days, I didn't even go into the hospital room. I stayed in the waiting room. I stayed in the waiting room just to be. How many of us know that just being is powerful? Just being present is powerful. God can use you in your silence. It's called the vocabulary of silence. He can use you when you know how to turn your station to KYMS. Keep your mouth shut. He can use you. He can use you. There's anointing in being silent. Amen? But there's also an anointing in reading scriptures. There's an anointing when you go in and then you encourage people when they're at their lowest low. So I decided to, make, to plant myself in the waiting room. I wouldn't even go into the hospital room yet. The waiting room had to change in my heart and mind. And God is telling me this, that the waiting room has to change in order for you to go into the actual stage of life. You have to change some things in the waiting room. And the picture is Joseph. We talked about him here. The picture is Joseph. Joseph was thrown into the pit by his brothers. Y'all remember the story? Okay. All right. Do I have to go read it? All right. Joseph was thrown in the pit by his brothers. But if you would picture Joseph's 13 years of being in a waiting room experience. See, in the pit, Joseph had to learn how to manage who he was, his person, his mind, his emotion, and his will. That's what he managed. He had to manage himself in the pit. He had to manage that thing because if I'm thrown, if my brothers throw me in the pit, I remember the, his brothers reached down and grabbed him. You'd have been grabbing at something, and it wouldn't have been favorable for you. You didn't left me in the pit. I'm coming out swinging. But the Bible don't say that. The Bible says that Joseph just came out, but he had to manage his person. Then Joseph goes where? To Potiphar's house. When Joseph gets to Potiphar's house, now he got to manage property. He got to manage somebody else's property. Potiphar said, the spirit of the Lord is on this man. He managing everything. Now when Joseph gets to Potiphar's house, his wife get a little handsy, (laughs) right, and and says that Joseph tried to do something to her, and now Potiphar is upset, and he throws Joseph in prison. Now while Joseph is in prison, he got to manage what? People. He managed his person. He managed other people's property. He managed people. They put everything that Joseph, everything under that prison under Joseph's rule. He was learning how to manage. And then when Joseph got to the palace, he learned how to manage his position in prosperity. All I'm saying is he had this 13-year waiting period. In the waiting room, there are some things that we got to manage. We got to manage our hearts. 
We got to manage, do we really believe the word that God has given unto us? We got to manage, is our faith still intact? We got to man. We got to sit in the pocket sometimes and see, okay, God, what are you teaching me? Where are you taking me to? And not rushing, trying to get on the stages of life. Because if you don't manage that thing in the waiting period, when it's time for you to get on the stage of life, it's going to show up. It's going to show up those things that you didn't manage. It's going to show up what's really in your heart. Did you make the great exchange? It's going to show up. But we can look at Joseph's life. You don't see any complaining in Joseph. Joseph knows that the Lord is with him. That's why he ran from that woman because he said, I don't want to sin against God. He stayed with God in, in his front. You got to manage those things in life. And what God is saying, whatever is coming for us in 2024, let us manage it. Let us get rid of it today. Let us leave that weight that's keeping us behind right here so that when we step in, we can step in free. We can be ready for what God has called us to. Many of us have been sitting and waiting on the promises of God. He's promised you something. But the question is, what have you managed during the waiting room? So we go in the waiting room, and I'm encouraging them in prayer. I'm encouraging them with scriptures. I'm telling jokes, you know. I'm telling the, the faith of God on how God delivered my father, how God delivered me, how, how we were free, how we were sick and got, laid hands on the sick and they was prospering. And hope is beginning to come alive in the waiting room. Hope is becoming alive in the waiting room. So when they went in to see their loved one, I know what he looks like. I know he's laying down there unconscious. I know he's laying down there with everything beeping, but I got a faith and a hope that the Lord is going to turn this around. You see the difference in going into the waiting room with some hope instead of going in there with sadness and despair? Something changes when you bring hope into a room. When you bring light into a dark room, it lights up the whole thing. I don't care how small the light is. All I'm saying is the hope of God in the waiting room, that's where you intensify your faith. In the waiting room, that's where you intensify your love for God. In the waiting room, that's where you hear the Lord. We just talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Elijah. God told Elijah to go down to the brook Cherith. And he said, there I have commanded the ravens to feed you. You know, somebody came to me and was like, man, Elijah must have been a skinny man. I said, why you say that? He said, God only said he's going to let the ravens feed him. I said, what make you think that the ravens couldn't, you know, keep coming back and forth? What make you think that it was just one raven or two? What about hundreds of ravens? Because we know God is not just enough. He's more than enough. The man could have been rolling over, just full all the time. I like to call it fat baby status. You know, they just sleep, can't keep their eyes open. Because God is more than enough, amen? But notice what happens. When God told him to move, the Bible says that he went and did. Why? Because he was developing a life of learning how to hear God's voice. Oftentimes, we're in the waiting room, and we want to hurry up and get out. You've seen it before. People are blessed with millions of dollars, and they end up squandering it because they didn't deal with how to manage it in the waiting room. You've seen it before. People can't lead classrooms, but now their principals lead in schools. They never managed how to lead a classroom. How are you going to lead a school? Because we didn't sit and wait and manage what we needed to manage in the waiting room. 
We didn't see it and listen to the Lord in the waiting room. It's the waiting room where God forms us and shapes us so that when it's time for us to be on that stage of life, we're shining with the light of God in us. We're moving out in confidence. We're hearing the voice of God. We know when it's time to move. We know when it's time to go. We know when it's time to be quiet. Why? Because we're practicing listening to the voice of the Lord. So now the waiting room now is, is all, everybody's excited. Everybody, it got to the point where they was waiting on me to come in there. Bless the Lord. I was carrying God because that was my prayer. God, I want to carry you into this waiting room. I want to carry you. When it's time for me to go into the hospital room, I want to carry you. I don't want to carry my doubt, fears, and unbelief. I don't want to lay hands on people and not be, not be sure because of what I'm seeing. I want to be a person that walks by faith and not by sight. I want to be a person that believes God's word like never before and move in it with the authority and the strength and the power of almighty God behind me and in me and working through me. That's the person I want to be. But the way you get like that is what? In the waiting room. When you're sitting quiet, are you listening for the Lord? Are you complaining? I know me, I got to talk about me because I don't want to get y'all mad now. Everything I'm saying is about me, okay? All right, I'm just exposing me. But in the waiting room, I was in the waiting room of life for seven years trying to get promoted. My subordinates are passing me up and outranking me. Can you imagine the hurt, the shame? What's wrong with you? Why can't you get promoted? But God was forming me and shaping me. He was putting something on the inside of me, some stick to because I wouldn't run and I wouldn't quit. They gave me every detail that they can possibly think of. I got good at details, good at picking, rock, picking grass out of rocks. I got really good at that stuff. Got good at all the stuff that they w- didn't want to do. But in turn, once I got to my position, once I got promoted, now I already knew how to do a lot of jobs that a lot of people who was in my p- p- position and who was over me didn't know how to do. God was, he was constructing things in me. He was putting things in my heart. He was teaching me how to manage different things in the waiting room. And a lot of times, we, our eyes are not on that. Our eyes are on where we are right now. I see you in your future, and you look better than you do right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's going to be better for you. Manage those things in the waiting room. So now it's time to go into the hospital room. And yes, I see the exact same things they saw. I hear the loud sounds of the beeping machines inside there. I see the, the breathing apparatus in his, in his mouth, and he's breathing, and it's hard to breathe. I see the, the IV tubes and everything coming off of him. Excuse me. I see it, and it don't look good. I had to tell myself I'm walking by faith. I had to tell myself God is the God of the turnaround. I had to speak life into him. And I'm not saying I'm the only one that was praying for him. But I just know that when I went into that room, we're praying and we're seeing a change. We're seeing a change. We're seeing a change. If it's David, 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 he had to see a change. David had to deal with something in his waiting room experience. He had just been anointed king. And then they sent him back out there with the sheep. He got sheep dip all over his feet. Do y'all know what sheep dip is? Y'all don't know what that is? I got to explain it. He's probably smelling like sheep dip. (laughs) And they sent him back out to the field. And now his father said, hey, I need you to go and take some items to your brothers. 
and to their leaders. And when he get out there, here comes this giant. And he's cursing out Israel. And he's looking for somebody to fight. And David's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why are you allowing him to talk to you like this? See, David's waiting room was out there with the sheep. Because he makes a testimony. He says, when the lion and the bear came, I killed them. And I delivered the sheep out of their mouth. See, what he had to deal with was his fears. David had to deal with his fears because the Bible tells us that when Goliath came out, everybody was afraid and they ran and they hid. He must have been a bad, bad man for you to just come out and people are afraid to just look at you. Come on, you got to be a bad man. You probably got to be an ugly man too. Huh? He had to be a bad man. But David said, I dealt with them fears when I was with the sheep. See, in Psalms 91, chapter 13, I don't know if we have that scripture. Psalms 91, chapter 13, the Bible declares, and this is one of my favorite scriptures right here. Psalms 91 is the canopy of your protection. I'm asking you, commit it to your memory, amen, in your heart. It says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent shall you trample under feet. These speaks to our fears, See, the lion's fear, you ask, what's the lion's fear? The lion's fear is the fear that you hear. You know, they roar. The Bible says that when they roar, the impalas, they stop because they don't know which way he's coming from. They don't know where he is, so they, they get paralyzed with fear. They're just like, where, where is this thing coming from? The lions roar. The Bible says that the enemy walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All he's doing is roaring. It's the fear of what we hear. We're listening to the news. It's all bad. It's going down. Everything is burning all around us. That's the fear of what we hear. But then it says, you should not be afraid of the lion or the cobra or the adder or the snake. What is the snake's fear? That's the fear of what we see. You remember Moses? <laughs> God told him to take what he had in his hand and cast it down. And when he cast it down and turned into a snake, the Bible says he got out of there. Why? Because he saw that snake. That's the fear of what we see. So we in this room, we're hearing the doctor's reports. We're seeing what we see, right? If we didn't conquer that in the waiting room, if we didn't conquer our fears in the waiting room, then we would be walking by what we hear. We will be walking by what we see and not by faith. But then he says the young lion and the, and the dragon in the, in the King James Version, that young lion is those whispers, the whispers in the nighttime when you're by yourself. The whispers that we tell ourselves, that's the young lion. And the dragon represents the figment of our imaginations. Those things that haven't even happened yet. But those things that we think that may happen. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We're running down a road and we didn't jump off the bridge and we ain't even got there yet. We didn't jump off. Why? Because of what we think that happened. But David says, I killed the lion and the bear. What does the bear represent? We know the lion is the, the fear of what you hear. What does the bear represent? See, he had to deal with those fears in the waiting room of life. The bear represents those thoughts that have been hibernating. Those hibernating thoughts, those thoughts that we have suppressed. Those thoughts that when circumstances change, now they arise up and they've been there the whole time. Those hidden hibernating fears. But David said, I dealt with that. In the waiting room, 
Now I'm ready to take on this giant. I'm ready to go and fight the foes of the Lord. Amen. God's saying, deal with this stuff in the waiting room. He's saying, leave it behind. Leave your fears about the future behind. Leave your fears about what's getting ready to happen. Leave that behind and walk in the power of God. Amen. I don't have much time, but I'm going to end with this. Man, that time be flying. I didn't even get where I wanted to. But I'm going to end with this. I was in Germany in 1997. I had got, I had got saved in 97. If the communion attendants, we're going to receive our communion here. I got saved in 1995. And I started a Bible study in 1997 in Permisans, Germany. Y'all know where that is? Okay. It's close to the French border. Amen. And uh, I started a Bible study. And I would get, go to this Bible study. And I would preach the word and I would give an altar call at the end. Because when you freshly saved, man, you're just full of all kind of God and Jesus. And you want everybody to know it. You know what I'm saying? So I would go in there. And as I would go in there, I would give the altar call. But there would be this one lady in the back. And she would leave out before I can end the session. And this happened on weeks on end. I would have the Bible study once a week, every Wednesday. And she would leave out. And I, one time I said, I'm going to close this Bible study early and I'm going to go catch her and see what's going on. I said, what's going on? Is there something I'm saying? I mean, you still coming. I mean, it, gotta, it can't be something I'm saying. She said, no, God won't forgive me for this. And I'm thinking, man, what won't God forgive you for? And I said, by the power of God, I'm asking you if you would partner with me in this. And many of us need to probably do this today. I said, would you go back to the back of the room and take out a pen and paper and write down what God won't, you know, forgive you for? I said, write it down. And she began to write it down on the paper. And as she was writing it down, it became violent. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And she put it on that paper, and then she began to try to bring it to me. I said, hold on. I said, that's none of my business. I said, that's between you and God. I said, but what I'm asking you to do also is to take it out of your mind. And she began to take it out of her mind, and she began to pull it hard. And it became violent. It became violent. She pulled it out, and she threw it on the paper. And I was like, man, what is going on here? And then as she took it out of her mind, I said, tear it up. Man, she tore it up paper. She tore that thing up with such <laughs> intensity. It was something else. And I said, go throw it away. And when she went over there, I said, hold on. Before you throw it away, throw it away. Give it unto the Lord. Throw it away. Get it off of you. Throw it away. And she went over there to that garbage can and she stood there for about 10 minutes and I watched her. And then she finally threw it away and left. And for about 30 or 40 days, I didn't see her again. I was like, man, I didn't mess something up here. I said, man, what have I done? And I finally called her, and I said, hey, hadn't seen you in a little while. What's going on? Was it something I said and did? She said, no. She said, no. She said, I'm free. I said, you're free from what? She said, I'm free from what I was holding on to. She, she had went to the field for 30 days. I mean, messed me up. She had went to the field in the Army for 30 days. I was like, man, I didn't mess this woman up. But she said, I'm free. She said, I know that I was the person that did this thing, but God somehow spiritually separated her from the pain and the anguish, separated her from the hurt, all because she was willing to cast her care upon the Lord because he cared for her. And when she did that, she was free. She was free to talk about it. She was free to minister to other people. She was free to receive Holy Spirit. She was free to receive salvation from God. She was free because she left it 
behind. Amen? We're standing on our feet. Hallelujah. We want to leave it all behind. Leave behind our hurts, our pains. Leave behind those things that have ailed us, have, have prevented us from moving forward. We want to leave it behind. But like what we're getting ready to do here is the great exchange. Would you exchange your hurt and your pain for his peace, his love? Will you exchange it today? Will you not walk into 2024 with all of this grief on you, all of this hurt and this pain on you? Leave it behind. Let it go. 2023 can handle it, I promise you. It can handle it. Let's not walk into that. Amen? If you will exit your rows and come and partake of the sacraments, we will uh, partake of it together. Amen? Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. to the end there will always be it's always been you Jesus Jesus nothing else matters nothing in this world will do Jesus you're the center Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes it's all about you, from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes it's all about you. Well bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I pray freedom upon you in Jesus' name. May you be free to walk in what God has called you to walk in. And as we partake of these sacraments, Father, I thank you, dear Lord, that we will make the great exchange. We exchange our hurts, our sickness, our habits, our disappointments, our cares, our unmet expectations, our pains, our pride. We exchange it for your love. 
We exchange it for your peace, your prosperity. We exchange it for what you are doing and what you, we want to get in on what you're doing, Father. Hallelujah. For I have received this of the Lord, which I have also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. We want to take this bread. And as we take partake of it, he broke it. And when we eat it, we want to eat it in semblance and a sign that we're exchanging his body, our infirmities for his health, his healing. We're renewed in him, in Jesus' name. Go ahead and eat. Hallelujah. And in the same manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me we want to make sure that we understand and realize that he's doing a new thing he's cleansing our minds he's cleansing our hearts he's cleansing our bodies he's cleansing our spirits he's cleansing us and doing a new thing we're going to get in on it and we're going to exchange the old thing for his new thing in Jesus name go ahead and partake hallelujah Can we give our brother a strong hand this morning for his faithful word? Sadron and Tamara have been in this house since 2011. What an incredible gift that both of you are. Faithful leadership, faithful ministry. Thank you so much for bringing a faithful word to us. And I was stirred, I was provoked, I was challenged in so many ways. As I bless you today as we're sent out of 2023 into 2024, I have a quick word, a thought for you, very simply. The root word of authority is author, which means that only the author has the legal authority to write the story, right? So the enemy does not have the legal authority to name or define 2023. Only the father does. So you can, tr- you can give the enemy the authority and he can name this year for you. Or you can place this entire year, the upsets, the betrayals, the offenses, the shame, the disappointment, the successes, the victories. You can say, Lord, you and you alone have the authority to be the author of 2023, which will then frame what 2024 will look like as I step into that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any person be in Christ, they're a what? They're a new creature. Look at somebody say, you're new. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Would you open up your hands today as we send you into an entire new year, friends? Father, as we look back on 2023 with everything that was difficult and challenging and disappointing and frustrating, things we didn't understand, things that happened to us that were against us that were absolutely unjust, Father, we place all of those things into the hands of the author. And Father, we give back unto you the authority to name for us what 2023 was. And so I would pray, Lord, as we leave this house, that you would be at work in our reflection, that you would be at work 
defining and redefining for us everything that happened this year that was significant. I sense the Lord saying that there were things that happened this year that you have yet to extract. That there were things that you perceived a certain way, but if you will look at them again, you will, the Lord himself will give you the proper perspective on how to see those things. So, Father, I'm asking you today to steal every single one of us away into that secret place where true perspective from heaven comes. And I'm asking, oh God, today that you would be the one that defines this previous year for us. And Father, I pray that you would launch us, that you would shoot us, that you would propel us into a new year with faith and favor and grace. Father, I pray like Sadron preached that hope would arise inside of us. And God, that you would go before us as I know that you already have because you're the God of eternity that you would go before us into every single moment of every day of 2024, that you would make crooked places straight and high places low. God, that you would cause doors to open over this house, that you would cause doors of favor and opportunity to open over every individual and family member. And God, every door that you want to be shut, you would shut and that you would lock it up until it's appointed time. And Father, I pray that we would go deeper as the drum prophesied over our lives that our faith would go deeper, that our intimacy would go deeper, that our love for you and one another would go deeper. God, I pray that our roots would go deeper. And Lord, I pray that at the end of 2024, we'll look back and we'll say, look what the Lord has done. Friends, can you just clap your hands in faith and agreement to this today? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You feeling some doxology? You feeling it? Go ahead, Zach, lead us. Brothers and sisters, if we can pray for you in any way, we've got ministry attendants up here that are ready to pray for you. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord lift up his beautiful, bright, shining countenance upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord bless you with peace as you step into a new year. Be safe. We love you, and we will see you in 2024. God bless you guys. Amen.